Well, we're grateful that you could be with us. Um, I think that reading the one line is beautiful that it, Father just read, that blessed are they who weep, blessed who are now weeping, for you will laugh. Now, maybe laugh isn't the best translation here. In other translations I've seen, you will be filled with joy, you will be glad, and I know that the life of St. James uh, is a good example for the namesake of St. Um, Saint James, I should say, for our brother, James Enon. And he <coughs> was a priest originally from Ghana. And instead of doing the whole homily on him, we're going to have Father Michael, who knew him better than I did, as he was out in the Chicago area at our parishes in the Midwest, We'll say a few words after communion in a short form of eulogy. So we ask you to stay with us to hear a little words about this priest. One of the things I will say, uh, being from Ghana, and that is the role of Africa. You know, uh, our faith started uh, in, in the Middle East, Palestine area, and then spread. And we hear the saint that we're celebrating today, St. John Chrysostom, that actually was from Antioch, which is modern-day Turkey. And then it spread to Europe, then to the New World in America. And we, for a while, centuries have gone by where we were faithful to the church, and now we're losing that. And it seems that God is now taking that, that gift of grace to places like Africa that places like Ghana where people come for praise, worship, and honor of God is an example for all of us. So let us talk a little bit today. We celebrate on the church calendar St. John Chrysostom, who I think is a great example, like Father James Enon, of being a faithful priest. And his story has something kind of interesting. Um, first of all, he was named Chrysostom. That was not his last name. That actually is the word for being golden mouth a golden mouth on account of his preaching, his eloquence uh, preaching. They figure he was born somewhere in the mid 3 400s, about 345, 346, as I said, in Antioch. He became a very zealous follower of the faith, extreme asceticism. He became a hermit. And um, he spent two years basically standing he chose a penance to stand as much as he could in his life, rather than barely sleeping. Um, he committed the Bible to memory. You know, I read that about saints, and I'm amazed. We can't even, I could barely memorize sometimes, uh, you know, certain things, then you forget them quickly. He, he, he memorized the Bible. Um, he struggled with health. He, uh, his stomach and kidneys were damaged. So he had that to face as well. Um, but what he was known for was being critical of materialism. Very simple. Um, this is still a ill of our world today. And, but again, known most for his preaching um, and the liturgy. Uh, he actually revised the rubrics in the Christian liturgy. Now in the East, the, the churches, the Eastern Catholic churches, celebrate the divine liturgy as the mass of St. John Chrysostom. That's the regular mass they do. But I wanted to share a story with you that is a great example that every sinner, every saint has a past 
and every sinner has a future. And for any sins that Father James may have committed, we can look back at St. John Chrysostom and say every saint has a past, every sinner has a future. Do you know his story? It's very fascinating. Now, this is just his, his tradition with a small t. But anyway, legend has it that he, when he was a hermit, he was approached, he was living in a cave, and he was approached by a princess that was in distress. Now, at first he thought she was a demon, and she came to him, so he refused to help her. But she convinced him that I need help. And, and sometimes we, we gotta be prudent because we wanna help and this is good, but you gotta be careful. And so she convinced him and she said uh, that she would be devoured by wild beasts if she was not allowed to enter into his cave. And he basically let her in and put her into a separate part of the cave. Well, it didn't take long before they both committed the sin of fornication. And so um, in attempt to hide it, tradition says he threw her over a cliff. Now this is one of the great saints of the church. No matter who we think or how bad we think we are, and we do all have pasts, God's mercy is greater than any sin. Now I'm not trying to minimize this. This is obviously very serious. If it's true at all, this is the tradition. But then he went to Rome to beg absolution and actually was refused. Now that doesn't happen today unless we show no signs of contrition. Um, and anyway, he realized the wickedness of what he'd done, so he made a vow. And he would never rise from the ground until his sins were expiated. So basically for years, he lived like a beast crawling on all fours, feeding, living on wild grass and roots. This is even more than John the Baptist. And so at one point after this had gone on uh, for years, the woman appeared to him. She reappeared and she was alive. Now some say, well, does that mean she was a vision that she actually killed? She was actually killed. It actually was believed that when he threw her over the cliff, he thought he killed her, but she wasn't. She was alive. So she came back to him holding his baby. So in their moment of fornication, it actually conceived a child. And the child who was just a little tiny infant who wasn't even of speaking age, spoke to him and said his sins were forgiven. And so this changed his life. And this is a very popular scene, this scene here of the child in the late 15th century in art and sculpture. When I was in Rome, we were looking at all these art and sculptures and I, a lot of them I didn't know what they were. And, and then I look at this one and, and one of the priests with us explained that that was the scene of St. John Chrysostom, and this woman reappeared. She was not killed, according to this priest, but she reappeared alive and had the baby, and it was the infant who spoke and said that he was forgiven. So the moral here is not to minimize our sins. The moral here is to show repentance to God, 
to truly be sorry. If you, no matter what you have done, don't stay away from the church. Father, you have no idea. I can't go back to church. The church would melt if I walked in. No, Father, you have no idea what I've done. I've met people at the airport. In fact, just a couple months ago, I was on the shuttle buses, and the shuttle bus was going from the rental car place. I landed at the airport, and we got stopped in an tra- uh, accident, a traffic jam. So the shuttle bus was there. We were sitting there for quite a while. I started talking to this person next to me, and they had said that they just couldn't go back to church because they would be such a hypocrite. And that, that, that basically the church, as I said, would melt if they walked into it. Now, this story of this saint shows us no matter what we have done, God's mercy is greater. Now, that doesn't mean it's a free ticket to sin. It means that if we truly are sorry, we see the errors of our way, no sin is outside the mercy of God. Even what St. John Chrysostom did, which looked like fornication and murder. And so, It ended up not being murder, we think, but this is a great example. So when when we pray for the dead, like today we are Father James, we pray that God forgives them of all the sins of the past and so that he has mercy on them to welcome them into his kingdom. And so to finish, he, he didn't even want to be a bishop, but the people back then elected the bishop. They, they, they determined who would be bishop. And St. Basil, I learned in seminary, I did a paper on St. John Chrysostom, uh, was actually the one who convinced him. And he became Archbishop of Constantinople. And that's important in the East. So in the East, he's one of three that we call hierarchs, along with Basil the Great and Gregory of Nazianzus, Father Seraphim's all-time favorite. Used to talk a lot about mercy. Now, These were highly influential bishops who shaped our theology today. This is huge. In the West, we honor them as doctors of the church. This is important. Now, what is a doctor? A lot of you write to me. I'm going to do one of the Saturday talks on what is a doctor of the church. But I'll just say briefly right here. A doctor of the church is important because the church bestows this title, Doctor of the Church, is an ecclesiastical title, on saints who had extraordinary holiness, not a past. Doesn't mean they had a past or not. Look at St. Augustine. St. Augustine writes about his past. He's a doctor of the church. So there's hope for all of us. And so anyway, if they have extraordinary uh, holiness, those, I guess you could say that the church is designated whose theological writings have been declared exemplary and that you can turn to them knowing what you hear them teach is authentic. And today we, we don't always have that. That's why, you know, um, we have to be careful because people are teaching all kinds of crazy stuff, even priests and bishops. And so we need to turn to his example. Um, it's, it's a person who's beneficial for the faithful around the world, teaching truth, beauty, love, splendor of the faith. Now, um, a lot of people think there's only 36. There's actually 37 doctors of the church that have been given this title. Like I mentioned, St. Augustine, St. Thomas Aquinas. Here we have St. John Chrysostom. But there's only four women And these women are powerful. Do you know that you're four women doctors of the church? Good examples. Catherine of Siena, Therese of Avila, St. Therese of Lisieux, and recently Hildegard of Bingen. 
Now, these are key people in the church. Uh, but you know what else? I'm going to stop here, but I, I, I got to put this in there. St. Faustina needs to be a doctor of the church. We Marians have been working for years. My first six years on the road, that's all I did was collect signatures because this is how you get, surprisingly, the church to recognize the faithful want something. We collected, I collected over 45,000 signatures, then we put it online. Thank you. If you can help us, go online, sign our petition for St. Faustina. In fact, Cardinal Togli contacted me and asked me to put together and come to Rome, in which I'm going to be working with our Marians and the Dicastri in Rome to be able to help bring St. Faustina's cause for Dr. The Church. Dr. Stackpole and Father Kaz have been working on this. We ask for your prayers. And so basically, many theologians, bishops, and even cardinals agree Faustina belongs as a doctor of the church. Some have gone so far to say if St. Therese could be made a doctor on the basis of one piece of writing, a very basic one piece of writing, St. Faustina certainly should be a doctor. Her diary is unbelievable. Father Seraphim said it helps us to comprehend how God proceeds with souls. And so, uh, so uh, uh, Father Seraphim, as I know, advocating for this in heaven. And so us Marians, we are united together to be able to hopefully bring Faustina to the world, to bring the message of the church like St. John Chrysostom to you and to the world. But most of all, we Marians are united in brotherhood. One of the things that I want as provincial is to see in our brotherhood, and it has to start with myself, because I, I realize that's my, one of my big faults, and I have many, is sometimes frustration with brothers, brothers frustrated with me. And that is when you see a brother like Father James Enan, and when he passes, what do we want to remember? Do we want to remember the times he frustrated us or we frustrated him? Or do we want to remember the times that he loved us and we loved him. That is what brotherhood is about. So again, at the end of the communion, we'll have Father Michael Calaisi, just a few words about Father James and the kind of love of priest and a brother needs to have for one another. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's Divine Mercy Plus, 
www.marionhelper.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.